0: Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammer lock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I and that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I and that's wrestling.
1: Episode 21 we're officially started we are i know that the podcast is
2: starting when you start like that
1: you i wish this was a visual medium because as soon as i say that mike lights up like a pinball like he was just sitting absolutely conserving his energy and then boom bear with me here we are (laughs) i want to do
2: this one standing up so i'm moving from a seat to standing okay 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 here we go
1: I'm, i'm worried about this people have told me i'm better when i stand yeah, well, yeah, we, we did it standing last week. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Spe- but I had caffeine in me last week. You did. Week. Speaking of last week, yeah. something that I I feel like I have to bring up to you. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. I don't want to talk about last week yet. Okay. I want to talk about tonight. All right. Let's talk
2: about tonight. I'm going to Chop Steakhouse tonight. You know how excited I am that's, about that? That's exciting. i going to have some prime rib. I'm going to sit there, maybe have a few beers. Never
1: any invite for the, Are you pro- hungry? For the
2: producer. Are you hungry? I'm always hungry. Let me tell you about how good that... that Prime rib is going to be tonight. Oh man, it's amazing! Chop Steakhouse is not a sponsor yet. Not Yeah, <laughs> probably not ever. But their prime rib is going to be real good. I can't wait to go to Chop Steakhouse.
1: Chop Steakhouse. If you're listening, there was a shout love out of steak. All right, now uh, yeah, talk to me about last week. Uh, it was a fun show. Okay, so here's the deal, and this is what I, this is kind of something I thought of, and this right. is something I've sort of gotten from other people. You seemed perhaps. To back off your point of exclusivity, when you were talking to AJ Sanchez last no, week, he no, made some no. good points. You conceded, not conceded, but you were maybe a little bit softer on oh, your Oh, no, no, And that's no, what I'm hearing.
2: And I, I tend to agree with it. Uh, you're just baiting baiting me. It's not fair. Okay, so AJ Sanchez made a good point. For him, exclusivity would not work. And for lots of reasons. Yeah. Let's talk about those. He's wrestling for a bunch of companies that are running every two months. How could you be exclusive to that? You'd have lots of ring rust, right? So when he works for 3D and he works for Primo's and he works for WPW, he's he there's a lot of reasons why he can't be exclusive to any of those and he doesn't exactly have the time to go 38 shows in a row for danny who's not doing 38 shows right now he's doing little runs of four shows in each province so um it made sense what sanchez was saying but i did say in the interview i said it's up to the promoter to give you something to be exclusive to and nobody had done that so no 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 don't say i didn't (laughs) make my point but also aj sanchez who i what an interview and man we're back on charitable thanks to thanks to a lot of people wanting to hear what aj had to say but aj sanchez um what i liked about it but what isn't mentioned about why he can't be exclusive is he owns the ring and he's renting that ring out so he has to be there and might as well wrestle yeah so it makes sense why exclusivity wouldn't work for him he made it clear he would not do exclusive for anybody now if i think if a canadian promoter came if any w called him and they signed a deal to do tsn or or a canadian channel like uh showcase or something to have a tv or or anything sports net or anything if they came to him and they said listen our deal is this to be appear on our tv you have to be you have to sign this contract and with our tv we have enough money to give you enough money that you don't have to work the local indies i guarantee you he'd look at it differently so When I talk about exclusivity, I'm talking about top end promoting and asking your talent to believe in you because you're top end. I'm not quite talking about 2001 when PCW said, if you work for us, you can't work for CWF. And Ernie Todd said, oh, if, you work for them, if you work for them, you can't work for us. Oh. You know, so that's, that's the difference here. So I'm not, I'm not arguing that point. And I didn't back off the point, but I saw his point. There was no point to debate it because what he, he's talking about today's landscape the way it is today. It might not always be like that.
1: Yeah, and you, and now you've colored in sort of the background of your opinion on it a little more, and it makes perfect sense. It yeah. makes absolute because you you couldn't exactly you couldn't be working every two months, yeah. and not get
2: awful. And I could have like we could have gone into that in the interview, and I could have made my point. And he could have made his point. I agreed with his point. What he said made sense. He said exclusivity doesn't work for me.
1: So you're an you're a bit of an idealist. You're like it should be exclusive.
2: If, well, bear in mind in WFX in 2010, we did not ask for exclusivity from anybody. We didn't need to. And the opinion was this, the CWE had what they were doing and they were doing it at the level they were. And they were owned, by, well, our owner had money in both and probably at that time technically owned the CWE or had a lot of say. And WFX, we it was incomparable one to the other.
1: So let, let, let me ask you something about that then while we're on that topic. Uh, did you have any other guys freelancing, for PCW for example or for anybody else No, PCW California. had
2: an exclusivity that their guys couldn't work for us. Right, cuz but- I did I did sort of like put out feelers to a few guys uh I think there was a point where we talked to Royce and, and Anderson Team Impact about coming in to do a match with Chevy and Sanchez and and they just weren't interested and I think that had to do with the exclusivity on that end. and and the puncher Adam Knight I've never told that story yeah. Adam Knight the puncher cuz he's certainly not an outlaw he uh, he didn't want it to work for us and I actually had an angle for Adam Knight too so we didn't go there but Adam Knight if he if he'd come to me and said I want to work your your TV show. I had an angle that would have kept him on TV for 15 weeks and probably would have made him the biggest star locally.
1: But you didn't have any guys on on your roster that were going out to XYZ promotions for 50 bucks and risking their health.
2: Oh, we, we had no issue if they did. Okay. Because as long as every three weeks they were at our TV, we, we were writing. That's uh, where the
1: problem arises So For me, and I'm just playing devil's advocate and I'm thinking in your mind, if I've got a guy that I'm featuring on television and he goes and wrestles for XYZ promotion and gets hurt, hurts his shoulder for 50 bucks, I might be a little bit hot.
2: I guess so. Like, if Billy Gunn had gotten hurt, that yeah. would have hurt us, or Bob Holly. But I wasn't worried about Bob. Michael Elgin was working a lot. and But Michael Elgin, I think, I'd never heard of him ever getting hurt. He's, you know, relatively... No, that guy's bulletproof. Yeah, he, he's been. Unfortunately, his reputation isn't as bulletproof. But um, why didn't you ask me what the angle was with Adam Knight?
1: Well, I'm, I'm curious about the angle with Adam Knight now because I know you guys have had a, had a past. But at that point, you were okay? So,
2: no, we weren't. He already but, punched me and I already hated him. But you still wanted to book him. I did because I knew how to book him properly. That I wouldn't you. have him go out there in a cowboy hat and call himself the outlaw because he's not an outlaw, right? What I would have, actually, I would have had him go out there. Here's how I would have booked Adam Knight back in 2010 on WFX TV. I would have had him carry himself like he does, a big deal, who's not really a big deal, but he thinks he's a big deal, right? And I would have had him, and I would have talked about, hey, Adam Knight, you've got a contract. And and I would have had the, com- I was one of the commentators, and I would have said, Adam Knight has a contract. He's one of those canadian wrestlers that really has a hell of a reputation right and i would have built him up in commentary but then i would have had him lose and i would have had him lose and i would and this is why he would never have done it oh you want me to lose and he can't handle it because he believes in some way shape or form that the business is a shoot and it's not he could not do this angle but i would have had him lose and lose and lose five matches and then i would have had larry zabisco as the commissioner walk up to him and go you know geez adam knight you know like we got money tied into you you got a 10 match contract you're zero and five like what's going on here? And, and Knight would have said, you know what? It's I'm on a losing streak, but I am still the best Canadian wrestler you have under contract. And I'm very confident in myself. And Zabisco would have said, you know what? Unfortunately we pay licensing on your music and, and we pay, and you know, you're on the videotron and, and you know what? Like I'm losing confidence in you. And if, you know, I've got you in a singles match next week. And if you lose that singles match, you know, we're going to have to make cutbacks because what we pay you and what we're getting from you is two different things. And of course, he would have lost the match and been 0-6, right? So now you have an 0-6 Adam Knight. The next week, to reinforce this, he comes back and he's he's in the ring and in the corner and just like jobber TV, right? Right. Um, the ring announcer would have said... Uh,
1: already in the well, ring. Well, first, yeah. he would
2: have given the Hollywood intro to whoever the opponent might have been. Let's say Wavel Star, Michael Elgin, let's say. Michael Elgin. And his opponent already in the ring, Adam Knight. No music, no video, no music. Uh, you know, like, yes. we're cutting back on on our investment in him. And he would have lost that match by 0-7. Okay, so then there would have been another backstage vignette. Larry Zbysko walks up and says, you know what? Uh, do you want me to cut my losses and cut you right now with three matches left on your deal? Or do you want to work them out? And Knight would have said, you know, oh, no, no. You know, I want to wrestle my last three matches on my deal. You know, I have complete confidence in who I am and what I can do. This is a long story, but it's that's how good booking could have been, right? Well, you're setting up a redemption story. We're setting up a great story. So then you have Adam Knight in match seven and he loses again and whoever it would have been. So he's 0 and 7 or 0 and 8 at this point, I guess. And he's got two more matches left on his contract. And Zabisco's making it clear like, we can't get rid of this guy soon enough. Like, this has been a bad investment. And in match nine, Adam Knight goes in, his opponent already in the ring, Adam Knight. And you give him, I don't know, um, mm, Dinsmore, Luke, somebody. No, actually, give him a local guy. Give him uh, Andrew Hawks from Alberta, who right. we had at that point, who was actually coming along and was a great talent. So you have Adam Knight wrestle him and do 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 do. and adam knight hits a small package one two three and the announcers are like oh wow upset adam knight with the small package here we go finally getting on the win column he's one and one and eight on his contract and and he's in the back he's walking around like he's a big shot now remember he's not an outlaw because i can't belabor that point enough even though i'm going long i can tell by the look on chris's face oh yeah it's good so Adam Knight, one and eight, and Zabisco walks up to him and goes, geez, that was a fluke. You only have one more match left. I I'm, I i am don't care. Like, after that match, we're done with you. And then next week, he's on TV still. No music, no, no Videotron. And his opponent already in the ring, Adam Knight. And this time, you could give him somebody a little bit more up the card, like um, Danny Duggan or someone like that. And boom, 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 boom. And Adam Knight hits a superplex. It, Knight actually dominates the match and looks like a very credible top guy because when he beat Andrew Hawks with the small package, it was a fluke. Hits a superplex, then picks up the guy and goes in the small package and the announcer, Oh my two weeks in a row and with a small package. And now he's got a finishing move. The small package. His contract yeah. is up, right? Like he's got no contract. Zabisco walks up to them back and, and and Knight says, Yeah, I guess we're gonna be negotiating my extension. And Zabisco, are you for real? Well, I'm two and eight, but two, I'm on a two-match winning streak. So Zabisco I'll tell you what. I'll give you a match-by-match deal. No contract. I'm not investing in music. Any, You're not getting any more investment from me, but I'll give you a match-by-match deal and he continues to win with the small package. And then you do vignettes, Adam Knight and the dreaded small package. You have two girls say how, you know, we love Adam Knight for his dreaded small package. You have him do run-ins like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And instead of hitting a stunner, he small packages, guys, they roll out of the ring and they're avoid the small package at all costs. I would have made Adam Knight the most over wrestler in the world. But he wouldn't have done it. You know why? Oh, I have to lose eight matches. Oh, he would never have gone for it.
1: He'd never go for the small package thing either, I don't think.
2: Because he would have thought this would have been... See, I say Orange Cassidy isn't very good, right? Right, right. But Adam Knight doing this, if he had bought in, it would have worked. It would be way better than Adam Knight, the outlaw, oh, oh, looking at his forearm or at his triceps and wearing a cowboy hat in public. It does not work, Adam Knight. I'm sorry to whip on you again. I know I got to do that every five or six episodes, just so people can be reminded there's so much more talent there to tap into. And if you had a good producer and a good booker, maybe you could be a big star. But
1: mm. and, and that's something that's underlying in all of your all of your whippings of Adam Knight is that there is a talent that yes. he has. Talent. Yes. I don't say he's not a talented guy. I say he can't do a gimmick. I say he
2: can't be produced. I say he's capable of so much more, but he holds himself back. That's the problem with Adam Knight. I didn't plan to talk about Adam Knight this morning. I, t- or I planned to talk about chop and eating a steak or you know what? When I watch Yellowstone or I watch 1883. Oh, are, we, are we going on? Do I see Adam <laughs> Knight? no, no. Not even close. Grow some facial hair. I don't think he can actually. I can't either, so I'm not picking on him for that. But that's what I got to say about Adam Knight. Anything else you want to talk about before we go to break?
1: Uh, I know no, I've run long. No, I, I, we, I hadn't planned to talk about Adam Knight at all. So I'm the not, dreaded small the package. Dreaded so- it would have worked. I like the idea. Yeah. yeah, you're
2: like you've got me. I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> and you have the eight matches where you're putting him over, and then he's he's not living up to it, right? And it it would have been so easy. It would have worked. That's how I would have booked Adam Knight in 2010, and he would have been more over for it. But he still thinks he's an outlaw. That's a mistake. What else? You want to talk to me about if I still believe that thing is a shoot or a work?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking off the air. Do you, are you still in your same camp? Have you softened a bit? Do you think the CM Punk, the elite oh, thing is still at work? You because
2: such a peckerhead.
1: I, I don't know, man. How know.
2: dare you? <laughs> I had to coax you into it, and then you asked me what I wanted you to ask. Um, am I willing to double down on thinking it's a work? Do you know my f- first conversation with Jeez Weeze after it happened, we agreed it was a work. I really? still believe it's a work. I know nobody else in the world believes that. And do you think Jeez Weeze has softened on it? Yeah. He thinks it's a shoot now.
1: Yeah. See, I, I, we got to get him on the shoot.
2: show. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk, let's about call him, him up. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get Jeez Weeze on the show at some point, but it is, I still believe it's a work. I'll tell you why, because the longer he leaves Omega and the box off tv and he leaves punk off tv punk may have to be off tv because he's hurt anyway yeah i think that either the situation if there was legitimately a situation i think they've embellished it a little bit um i don't think that. i think it's a i think it's an angle i really do i think it's an angle i think that there. i think the the finish line is going to be money match between punk and uh and omega But you know what? I've heard all the people who think I'm the biggest moron in the world and a mark and this and that I must be this because Facebook comments, right? Listen, I don't care what you think (laughs) and you shouldn't care what I think. If you listen to the podcast, great. You're entitled to an opinion. It's better for the business. Like I said last week, if it's a work, I still think it's a work. Why would you be, why would you not be settling this down and getting it fixed quickly then letting it faster, I get it. Lawyers are involved and, sh- and stuff like that. But Punk still works for all elite as we sit here today, and the the box and Omega are still EVPs. Get them, get them back on TV. It's good for business.
1: I I think I I still think it's a shoot and and, and something that I thought of as to why they had to strip the title off Punk again. So like that just devalues. it. Would they devalue their title for this angle? He got hurt again, didn't he? Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, didn't he get hurt in the match? I, But it was a peck. Was it a peck?
2: And that's what Cardona had to lose the NWA title for.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know, man. You don't don't know.
2: I do know, and I think it's a work. No, you don't know. I don't know it's a work. I believe... I believe... See, everyone said, oh, no one could come up with this. Are you crazy? I came up with, good time Gordon, I talking at two o'clock in the morning when I was on surveillance once, came up with a with an angle where Samoa Joe and Kenny Omega could have done a work shoot that would have been believable where Omega was saying, listen, in, in 2007, you wouldn't put me over in a match. I'm not even wrestling you. If it was up to me as EVP, you wouldn't even be here. You're just a fat out of shape slob. And that should still happen. And if he cut that promo, Joe would say, you know what, Omega, I'd wrestle you anywhere in the world i'll go back to winnipeg to that hotel and wrestle you again and i'll job you out in seven minutes and you build off the heat and you have omega say no i'm not wrestling him i the guy disrespected me in 2007 people would believe it shoot heat and it leads to a money match all it would have taken is cm punk let me tell you the scenario and i'm going long i know this i think cm punk goes to tony khan and goes to the evps and said listen uh, every, anyone who listens to Cornette's podcast knows the EVPs get heat on themselves from being EVPs. What if we do this? What if we do that? What if we lead to it this way? What if we go here? Boom, boom, boom. I come out of it looking like Brian Pillman in his prime in 97. You guys... Get to you know, we're a part of something that's really hot that people believe is real, and we can make money out of it. The more people believe it is real, the more you cash in at the end of it. It didn't have to be Tony Khan, and Tony Khan didn't have to be capable of it. And
1: that—that's the only way. That is the only it way that it's a shoot. If it came from
2: Punk, a work. It, it, the only way it was it work is if it came. It didn't have to be Punk. Omega Callus could have come up with it. All it took is one guy who could see it, and explain it, and sell it to all five guys, and say, "This is how we're going into this." And if they sat there and they all brainstormed, they could have come up with
1: it. I think Calus is just happy to get a check. I don't think if he's you pitching. can
2: believe that John F. Kennedy got killed with multiple oh, here shooters, here we go. You can believe that this was a work. If you can believe the Montreal screw job was not a shoot, and it was all that all guys were in on it, then you can believe this. And a lot of guys can't believe that. And in November, when I do the Montreal screw job episode, I'm going to tell you why Bret Hart knew when that sharpshooter got put on him that Dave Earl Hebner was going to ring the bell. Bret Hart was in on it. Sorry, but true.
1: All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that episode in
2: November. Right now, though, I think it's time we take a break, Mike. We've well, got a guest. His name is Dynamite Dave Petro, and he's going to be on after the break.
1: This episode of the Total Bees Sheet Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and, of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Total Bees Shees Show listener, you can get 10% off your order using the code She's. Again, the code is B-E-E-Z-S-H-E-E-Z, one word, and receive 10% off your order. Firstrow.ca, Canada's online collectible store.
0: This is Wayne Stanton from Episode 6 of the Total Bees She's Show. If you're not listening to this podcast... I think you're a coward.
2: This week's guest is someone I have something in common with that's not very well known we both started at the iconic same venue in winnipeg chalmers community club it's awesome to have dynamite dave petro join us on the total B she show you had your first match at chalmers community club in 1981 talk about training at that time and what it was like i broke in in 95 so i was 14 years later it was quite different what was it like in 1981
3: Well, in 1981, uh, of course, New Brand Wrestling, which was the organization that I wrestled for, uh, was run by Walter Shevchuk. Walter Shevchuk lived a few blocks away from my part where I worked as as a at my part time job at McDonald's on Henderson Highway. So I would go to the Chalmers to watch wrestling with my dad because I was a huge fan of the AWA back in the 80s, and and I remember sitting in the crowd. And the first few times I was there, I I thought to myself, I could do better than these guys. (laughs) So, 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 I mean, at that time it was uh, Mean Don Green, Rick Jones, Larry Jones, uh, Larry Hanson, Mike Stone. um, I I believe maybe even Scotty Lightfoot might have been started, Caveman Broda. And uh, one guy who just passed away recently, uh, Chris Pepper, uh, who was, uh, again, and we watched Chris Pepper a lot as an enhancement talent on old AWA shows, but, uh, I remember watching that and Walter would come into McDonald's all the time. <laughs> and, uh, I, I just started to talk to him, talk to him, talk to him. I think he noticed that I did go to the shows and things like that. So, you know, he did treat me like a bit of a Mark for a little while, but then I think he kind of knew that I had something on the bean and then, uh, invited me down. I think he took $400 for me from me rather. <laughs> and, uh, we showed up, uh, maybe an hour, two hours before the shows on, um, I believe at that time was every second Wednesday at the Chalmers. And, uh, you know, he trained me, trained me, trained me. I think I started training beginning of 1981, had my first match in April of 1981. And I was in grade 11 at river East collegiate. And, uh, word got out from the, my friends and, and, and the kids at the school that, uh, know dave was wrestling so i started to draw <laughs> <laughs> so in, in in no time i was the new brand television champion uh because we did have a show back then on uh, i think it was cable 13 um it was greater winnipeg cable so uh we had our own tv show so i became a TV star in in 1981 at New Brown Wrestling.
2: Amazing. So you would have been in grade 11, so you would have been about 17 years old.
3: Absolutely. I had my first match before I had my first beer.
2: (laughs) Wow. Wow. So what did you learn in that first year or two formative years at Chalmers? Because I know I learned quite a lot in 95 from guys like Brian Jewell, who you know, but like what was it like? Were they were they helpful? Were they trying to groom you to be a big star? Because I know later on you became a bigger star locally.
3: Yeah, I, I think that, you know, for, for, for Walter, I mean, I was the biggest kid. I think he was training guys uh, like Doug McCall at the time, um, uh, Craig, who was uh, Ricky Reno, and some really small guys. And and, and some guys that I don't think ever even passed. I think there was a guy, Joe Apollo, and these guys were just tiny guys. And, and um, while, while I believe you know, the ulterior motive for a lot of those guys, for a lot of those guys that want to train is to make money. Um, I think that, you know, I, I was a bigger type of a kid. So I, I think that, uh, you know, and I, and I watched wrestling from, you know, I would think my formative years all through the seventies, not only AWA, but uh, the all-star wrestling promotion from Vancouver that was on Saturday night. So I kind of, I kind of knew the business a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, showmanship and, 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 and that stuff. I mean, I didn't know the business, but I you know you always kind of as you watch wrestling you kind of know there's something going on you don't know about it's like magic you know you know the magician is not pulling the rabbit out of the hat <laughs> um but uh, or sawing the woman in half but uh, yeah I, I think so I think that you know he realized that I think that when Walter and I trained together in the ring um we were able to you know we we kind of clicked and I think some of my best matches um when I began were, were against Walter because he took a great backdrop and I and i uh, i had a lot of fun throwing those things too so yeah i remember that but a funny story i remember that my you know i watched wrestling my dad would take me to wrestling and he goes what a bunch of phony baloney stuff. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. Why are we watching this? And then I remember, you know, telling my dad, hey dad, I've been training on my first match. He goes, what are you doing? You're going to get killed, right? <laughs> so it, was, it was kind of a funny thing. And uh, yeah, I, I don't re- remember my dad coming out to watch, but I do remember my Uncle Ron coming out to watch and some other guys coming and reported back to my dad that, uh, you know, I was pretty good. My dad couldn't see the matches because we lived in Bird's Hill and Bird's Hill, we couldn't get cable at that time. So he didn't really know what was going on And my, and they weren't really, I would say supportive because of the, what's this wrestling nonsense? But uh, <laughs> you know, we had a lot of fun in, in those days. But yeah, I think Walter, when I started to draw, and when, when all of a sudden the kids from River East Collegiate were coming out, and and, uh, and I started to get a bit of a following. I think the, you know Walter, you know pushed me just like everybody. You start to draw, you get pushed. So.
2: Absolutely, and being a kid phenom, it's not bad to give a young guy a push because you can get sympathy on him.
3: Uh, was Wayne Stanton
2: around in '81?
3: Wayne Stanton gave me my wrestling name. Really, I was. Uh, I had no no idea what to call myself, and uh, Wayne came over to me, and, and and he knew my last name was Patrician, and he looked at me and he said, "Petro, Dynamite Dave Petro," and uh, it stuck. It please, stuck with me till till this day.
2: Please tell me you can do an imitation of Wayne telling you to be Dave Petro.
3: I really can't. You know, <laughs> I, I I really can't. I mean, I have nothing but you know positive experiences aside from one time that he got really hot. At uh, Mike Stone and I for not getting in the ring fast enough and he looks stupid out there but like I mean everybody knows that you really don't climb into the ring and start doing anything till the referee gets there and, and I don't know what, why that was lost on him but I've had nothing really but positive things about Wayne um, in those days but no he just kind of said he just looked at me and, and just that's not an imitation that's how he looked at me Petro, Dave Petro Dynamite, day Petro. And I'm like, okay, thanks,
2: Wayne. <laughs> wow, that? that's a legendary story. So you were, wait a second, I'm going to digress here for one second. You were in the, you were supposed to be in the ring the night that Wayne got, did he go down and yell at the whole locker room that night that you guys that, were? That
3: was, that, that was that way fast forward. That was um, River City Wrestling when Doug, Doug McCall was booking. Yes, and
2: Wayne, wow. I, I know the story and I've never told it, but you you were the guy that was late and Wayne went down and yelled at the entire locker room?
3: I th- not I was, it was Stone and I, yeah. like, it was Mike Stone and I were going to tag match. I'm not sure if that was a, a championship match against leather and lace, uh, Brian Jewell and Bobby Jay at the time. I, I It's really fuzzy in those days because uh, there was a lot of beer in the dressing room in those days. Absolutely. As well, so. Yeah.
2: Okay. So let's go backwards. Cause I, I went ahead mm-hmm. on you cause you told me about Wayne getting mad and I got excited cause I thought there was going to be a good story. <laughs> yeah. So no. 80, 81, 82, you're dominating the Chalmers scene. And were you, yeah. were you dreaming of getting to AWA and was Walter grooming you to be the top guy locally? Cause I know that there was a, he brought it, he was the first Winnipeg promoter to bring a kind of a big name. And I guess maybe Tony was doing that too, but Lars Anderson comes to town.
3: Yeah. Like I think, I don't know. I mean, I think I was pretty realistic at the time and being now a 12 and then getting out of school. And I think at that time, like if you really look at that, I mean, I look at, Uh, AWA, and you look, and then that's when, like, you know, 83, Hogan, Patera, all these guys come in, right, and that, and I looked at myself, and I go, I'm never going to be that big, like, I'm just, I'm not going to be that kind of a big human being, right, you know, when I started, when I started to become a fan of wrestling, wrestling was more storytelling, more wrestling was more characters, like the Crusher, and Baron Von Raschke, and then Mad Dog Breshawn, and then in the 80s, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, it turned into the bodybuilders. And, I mean, I looked at, you know, and we'll get to this in a second, when Lars Anderson came in and he took guys like Mike Stone um, over to uh, Hawaii when 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 Lars Anderson was uh, co-promoting with um, The Rock's grandmother and stuff. But, you know, I really didn't think that that was going to be for me. I really, I was more... Uh, you know, I, my career is in the in the quick service restaurant industry was on a rise, and uh, I still had maybe some aspirations that never came to fruition about going to university. But I kind of <laughs> knew, I kind of knew that this is probably the level. And you know, really, you know, we had some we had some good houses. I mean, not only the Chalmers. I mean, well, we went out to Fort Francis. we went to other places, we went to Brandon. uh We were drawing well for on the local scene, and I really didn't have those stars in my eyes like some guys did so i think i was just kind of knowing i knew my rule knew my role and i shut my mouth to 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 rip off a phrase right
2: yeah so digging in on lars anderson he took mike stone to hawaii was that ever something that was even mentioned to you as a possibility
3: um no i i think i kind of think it was but i think i know mike was more you know, Mike, you know, I started watching Mike when he had a mask and he was a super saint, right? Yeah. And then he became Mike Stone. I, again, I was working, you know, not only 40 hours a week in those days. When you worked in the quick service restaurant industry, you're working 60, 70 hours a week. And I was wrestling, um, you know, every second week. And then we do those spot shows and stuff. And I, I kind of just knew that I, I was very happy with my spot. I kind of looked at the wrestling business as, at the time, like, you know, like it was in those days, you're kind of a carny, kind of a gypsy, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're just packing up your car. And I, that to me, I, you know, I still, I'm still the guy that when I travel with work and stuff, you know, my idea of, uh, roughing it is staying at a hotel with no room service. Right. So I think I was kind of more that, uh, you know, I, I really didn't want that. I didn't want to live out of my car and, these guys telling you the stories and didn't want to be like them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. So what brought Lars Anderson to town and what did he do for business when he came in for Walter? I I think that was 83, right?
3: Yeah, it was 83 because 84, but I don't know how this came to fruition with Lars. I mean, Lars, Lars, a brand, something called world league wrestling. And he did lots of independent shows and he had a, a cast of characters. He had his version of a junkyard dog. (laughs) Um, you know, Lars came in and, um, him and Walter were going to promote some shows together. I, I, I was the area champ, maybe television champ. And Lars came in and he uh, basically picked one one of the pick on the, the fight with the biggest dog. And that would have been me. And interesting enough, we, we, we drew a couple of matches. I mean, the first one was, oh, I don't meet this, beat this uh, Dave Petro in 10 minutes. He's going to win the match. And uh, I, you know, he didn't beat me in 10 minutes would set up the rematch. Um, he never did take my championship, but uh, it was, uh, it was a good experience. And, and the, and the, and the greatest story that ever came of that. And, you know, as a, you know, 19 year old or 18 and a half, 19 years old, going up to Lars Anderson and kind of with the high squeaky voice saying, You know, what do you want to do tonight? You know, and he would look at me, he looked me right in the eye and he goes, Fight for your life, kid. And that was it. And we did the 10 minute draw, but uh, it was uh, very, very intimidating. And, uh, you know, again, in the ring, I mean, like you say, as mean and ornery as he seemed to be outside the ring and he was like wrestling with butter inside. So,
2: and and did you learn a lot from wrestling with Lars?
3: I did. I mean, I because everything, everybody in in those days try always tried to put themselves over. And I think about guys that, that I've described before. And but I remember Lars would just like you know he was over and he made me look good. So you know there's a guy the seasoned pro wrestled in the '60s, the '70s. There's him making a guy like me in front of my hometown crowd look good. I looked at I looked at that and I kind of kind of just put the light on from then on when I watched tapes Rick Rick Flair in Portland putting a local guy over and you realize that that's what Rick was doing Rick was putting that guy over and I, I really I learned about the importance of making your opponent look really good.
1: Dave did you do you remember being intimidated by by Lars because when a guy like that says fight for your life I mean that, that he was a very very intimidating guy so were you intimidated going into that match or even beforehand when you heard <laughs> hey you're going to get in the ring with Lars?
3: One hundred percent. I think I looked for Walter, and Walter was doing his uh, pre-match ritual in the washroom. And I remember, like you know, going in there, going you know, you know, basically like a little kid. Hey, 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 because I, fight for your life, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I really was, because you know, you never. You know, everybody else was kind of in. That was our locker room, right? Everybody was friends, or not, maybe not friends, but you all knew each other and and friendly to each other. And there's this guy, this guy that again, you know, his tag team partners with Larry the Axe Henning, <laughs> and uh, he's saying, "Fight for your life!" and so yeah, I was I was scared. Like there's no there's no two ways about saying it. I was I was scared, and I was nervous getting into the ring.
2: Um. So bridge the gap there from re- wrestling Lars Anderson to ending up on AWA TV. How did that come about in '84 and '85?
3: Well, I think at that point the the independent scene in 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 Winnipeg was kind of drying up a little bit. I think that people were watching. Uh, more television wrestling and looking more of the Hulk Hogan's. And like, you know, he's describing before the, the King Kong Bundy's, the big men and stuff like that. So I think that there was a bit of a downward trend in that. So I think Walter was always looking for the next way to make money. And I think that he was contacted by the, by the AWA. Um, and he sold it to the boys in the locker room. It is, we're going to work with them. We're going to do some stuff on TV with them. And that we're going to be able to co-promote in the smaller towns, and we're going to be able to use some talent, which was just utter BS, utter B-sheet. <laughs> like it was complete bull. Uh, I remember uh, saying, you know, going down, and it was the um, on St. Mary's Road, the community center right by the Auto Pack Claims Center, um, and I and it just it was like I looked in the the sheet, and I looked at week. They were taping five weeks of television, and there was Dave Petra in week one, week three, and week five get uh, with a with a Minneapolis guy with me as a, as a tag partner against uh, Animal and Hawk the Road Warriors. Yeah,
0: Warrior.
3: so, how was yeah. that
2: for intimidation? If you thought Lars Anderson was intimidating, how were the Road Warriors in '84 to wrestle in a tag match? You
3: know, the one thing that I really regret not doing is getting you the DVD. I have this this in my um, I have a DVD a copy of this with Roger Kent calling it Bob Bob Holiday doing the ring introductions and I just look like. Like I was a kid that really there probably shouldn't even been anywhere near there. And, and they came to the ring uh, and they just uh, just went to town on us like they always did in those days. They slid into the ring and just beat us up. Uh, Hawk at the time took me with one hand on my uh, just on the, around my belt line and, my, and by my head. And he started to toss me over the top rope. And I guess you realize that the AWA, that's a disqualification. So he basically in midair threw me through the second and uh, the, the the top and second rope through the ropes, oh. and then he as he's doing that he's screaming at me like you know what are you doing over the top rope? I go oh well, and you grab the guy by the head and by his you know you know and and then we're not we're not talking about uh, gingerly dancing over to toss the like, let let me take the bump right. He was throwing me, but I remember going back in and getting in the ring and then just kind of going what the hell just happened? And then uh, came in the ring, made the tag, uh, got a couple of boots he uh lifted me up for the body slam that was um uh hawk big body slam tagged off animal animal um, when i when I dig in the ring animal hit me with the clothesline so hard that it was hard to drive my car home that day wow. and uh, and and pin me and and after that i go this this is just rough. and i remember going back is get get through the um there's no curtain in those days but you went back there and greg gone you looked me right in the eye and said you don't know how to sell <laughs> and i looked at and I, and I looked at him and I, I go, didn't I sell the clothesline enough? Like, you know, the guy almost decapitated me. Um, and then I realized what he meant was when I got back up onto the ring apron after getting tossed out of the ring, I should have been, I should have sold that a little bit more, that ferocious beating before the match. But I just, that was one of those moments where I just didn't know what the hell was going on there, what was going to happen. So I remember like, again, I'm sorry, let's back up. I didn't realize that that was week one that was listed. When I went back through the door I realized I was week three and week five with Animal and Hawk. I just picked up my bag. I live in this town. I don't need to get embarrassed like this. I just left. Wow. I just wow. I just left. I just, <laughs> yeah. Enough was enough. I'm not doing this. Wow. And and, and for Greg Ganya Greg <laughs> Gagne to look at me and say you don't know how to sell, that was like the icing on the cake. Only only after did I realize that I didn't sell the beating that we took when i got back up in the ring waiting for my tag
1: it's hard to remember to sell when you're legitimately getting your ass kicked like if you've been in the ring with somebody who's really really stiff and like those guys were reportedly to be i mean you're not thinking oh i better better sell i better sell i better make myself you know sympathetic you're thinking i need to get out of here alive
3: i drove yeah i drove home in my gear and the clothesline was so uh so so hard, I took that clothesline so hard that it was ba- basically tucked to shoulder check in my car. Like it was it was like I I legitimately had whiplash. And uh yeah, you're right. And you're absolutely right. People don't realize in wrestling, you know, you get hit with a chair, um, that doesn't hurt as much as maybe a guy stepping on your fingers. Like when you're when your brain is thinking about survival, you know, because legitimately I didn't want to take one of those uh you know, when you put the guys on the shoulders and the guy come off the ropes and the guy does the flip, like I just did, I was just happy to take the clothesline. And I remember the guy going back in the ring, just as I was getting my stuff, both those guys came over and said, Hey man, thanks. He said, that's how we sell tickets. And you know, basically saying, Hey, you you know, that, that, that was, you know, thank you. Thank you for taking that bump. But again, I didn't, I didn't want any part of that anymore. I have to live in this town. I have to, you know, I was you know have to have a career, so I didn't feel like it. I chickened out. That's there's only one way to say about it. I don't think our my relationship at the time was was the same ever with Walter too, because he probably got a good little paycheck for that for us having us there.
2: So what happens next? You obviously that closes your door for being a a job guy for AWA. Where do you go next? Do you go back to working for Walter locally, or
3: yeah, we did some shows. I was you know I was on top. I was we we still did that. Walter was doing his super card wrestling thing. I don't, uh, the timeline, I mean, Walter was always bringing in guys. Um, he brought in uh, Dean Ho, De, uh, Dean Haguchi, I guess, from uh, Br- British Columbia. He was tagged with Chris Pepper. At the time, I was with the Golden Sheik, Larry Anson. Oh. And we were the we were the tag champs. So Dean and Chris were trying to take the, uh, the tag straps from us. And Walter was our manager. So we had a nice little run in the summer. Yeah, Walter did some shows. I remember doing the Saints roller rink. He brought in Leo Burke. And a couple of other guys. So you know, he he was always trying, but then it just petered right out. I remember doing some stuff for Tony's Television in 1986. I wrestled Chris Markoff on uh, that, and then um, Tony didn't never used uh, us never used Walter's guys right. Uh, He had me uh, had me job one time to amass Hank Meadows at a television (laughs) taping, and and I realized this really wasn't for me anymore. So from about 86 to Ninety four. I took a bit of a hiatus.
2: Amazing. Um, uh, getting back there, Golden Sheik was Kenny Omega's uncle, or is Kenny Omega's yeah, uncle? Yeah. He's passed away. Golden Sheik, Yeah. Wow. Yeah,
3: absolutely, and yeah, and, and we called Larry Mister Relaxation because uh, if anybody ever watches any of the stuff posted from uh, from uh, with Larry wrestling, he wasn't very good.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. He, uh, obviously, the nephew got the talent in the family. Um. So ninety four, yeah. you come back. to Stanton go and get you, or do you want to come back because you see them on TV?
3: I think I was just, you know, basically hanging out with a buddy, um, hanging out with a a, a, a friend, uh, sorry, a, a brother of a girlfriend, and he liked wrestling. He loved wrestling. All he wanted to do is talk wrestling about me, and I would, you know, would talk about the old stories about the New Brand days, and then so there was a there was a River, uh, sorry, a, yeah, River City Wrestling card running at the Chalmers. So I remember going in there and went going downstairs, saying hi to the boys, and they were doing something with. um mike stone and and uh, he was i don't know it was he major pain and then we had corporal punishment and um tom Steele, right yeah. we had the, all these guys they had a little faction, and they were doing something and i remember that uh wayne or somebody said to me hey you need to jump up because we're going to recognize you in the crowd as former champion and uh, then you do that so i remember doing something like that but at the time i was wearing glasses <laughs> so I remember the, the the kid I was with uh, the the girlfriend's brother. I gave him the just about a second just before I said, "Hang on to these." <laughs> <laughs> and then and I got up and I did this and I did this thing and I I did, I did this quick spot and um, uh, so then I had that feud started with Mike Stone. So Mike and I feuded the '94 until we formed a tag team. After that, we did we did this angle, but uh, yeah, I was I remember, so I remember the kid driving home going. So this isn't set up, is it? <laughs> hold, my, hold my glasses, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, angle alert, hey.
3: Yeah, we we so Mike and I became a tag team. We were tag champs for like I think a day. Uh, we got a little rambunctious, and then uh, I think they got stripped. They we went back to Bobby J and uh, and uh, Brian Jewell. So yeah, you know, we had to, we had a little bit of fun. I mean, I mean we were on television back then. Um, back on the same thing on uh, on local cable, and uh, so I wrestled a few matches ninety four ninety five. Um, I think 96, maybe. And then I didn't really do anything until the top rope championship wrestling at the Palladium with. uh, I tagged with Doug Lunny. I think it was Vance and uh, Brian Jewell. Yeah. Some fun there. And then then just, uh, you know, fast forwarding a little bit, did some, just basically doing some voice work for for Danny Duggan's promotion, the CWE, and uh, every once in a while hit the fifty uh, man rumble to remember yeah. as, a, as an old timer going in there. So
2: wow, yeah, you. So your career has gone like decade by decade. You still have just a peripheral involvement. How do you like the CWE and doing their
1: TV?
3: Um, I, I, I like it. I, we really. It's kind of done some val is some um, peaks and valleys. Like a, there was uh, there was a time that we they actually did. You know television with monitors and with headphones and things like that and then you know next thing you know we're calling it in some guy's apartment in the in the village <laughs> in front of a computer screen uh I, and now um we haven't recorded for a long time i was doing it with andrew hustler patterson yes and uh he brought just such a great energy to the product he was our pat mcafee that's for sure um so i'm you know i'm always in touch with danny always in touch with the, the, the boys saying as soon as you get some television as soon as you get some stuff in the can let's Let's get this back on. And I like it. I like it because I'm able to, you know, help put over the the next generation of young guys. And, and, I, and I think I can bring in excitement. I don't call it hold for hold. I don't call it move for move. I sell the excitement and I sell the moment, right?
2: So. Yeah. You're an amazing talker and you tell great stories. Um, you're also very, very in tuned with sports. You're the sports doctor on Twitter. What is your Twitter handling in?
3: At the sports doctor, At- just like that. Yeah, I just... It's just like i' been. Mean, I follow sports closely. I mean, I contribute to the Manitoba post, uh, you know, um, CGOB has me on, on various different shows. I mean, they got their own sports department, so they bring me in for a unique perspective or something like that. Do stuff with Rod Peterson on the uh, yeah. television network all through the States. Uh, you know, once in a while you get calls from other people in other, net, other places, but again, I got a, I've got a career. I'm, you know, it's come full circle. I'm still in the, uh, quick service restaurant business that's for sure and that's uh and that's you know my my always been my forte and i've got a couple of uh you know side projects on the on, on the go as well um that uh, that tie into that career so we got some stuff coming up so yeah, i just do a lot of little, little different things like that but i just love the business like yeah. you know i'm i'm the guy and i'm a, i'm the guy getting nervous when it's uh you know, getting late, and Karen doesn't want to watch something on Monday, and I want to watch Monday Night Raw at least on <laughs> PVR, so I can I can blast through it, and I you know I, I I know what happened last night on Dynamite, so but I'm going to blast through it again on PVR. So you know, I believe that wrestling is on the right trajectory. There's some again, it's some bumps along the road. We see the WWE getting seeming to get popular again, and AEW kind of stuck in neutral right now until they until they regroup and they figure out where they want to go and. And they need to they need to do a few things, but it's wrestling, right? I just last night I watched Danielson and Jericho. Like you know, I thought it was just tremendous to watch these things. These guys that that we've met in our past, you know, guys like Jericho that are from here, and Danielson that have, you know toured around with Danny's group too. So it's kind of fun.
1: Awesome, uh, Dave. What you mentioned that you you're a keen watcher of the of regular you know mainstream wrestling. Is there something that you think, for example, that uh, AEW? needs to do is there some is there a, one ingredient that you could think of i'm putting you on the spot a little bit here but is there one thing that you would s- suggest if they came to you and said what should we do to to get ourselves to write to the ship
3: yeah i i just i think that you know you know for all the people that criticize vince russo he had a great structured television show and i think if you watch now smackdown and raw you're starting to see a little bit more structure into their television shows like a format i think awa is or sorry aw it's basically throwing spaghetti at a wall and see what sticks sometimes. I think there's just too much going on. I think they jam too much into the shows. I think the shows need to have a little bit less segments. And I think you need to have more focus on, on a few things. I, you need to have that structure. And I think that they just lack that structure. I think Tony Khan is terrible on television. I think that he needs, um, you know, he needs an authority figure, a commissioner or somebody like that. Not, not hokey like, uh, like a, a Jack Tunney or a, you know, Sergeant Slaughter was in those days, but something that, you know, a guy like William Regal probably could be like you know, a good, if he wasn't involved, but these guys all come in, they all start getting checks. They all start wanting to have their angles. They all start wanting to get on TV time. And, like your head spins, like you, you don't, you don't, you don't know what's going on. I mean, and uh, and and it just some of it just doesn't stick. And I think uh, Triple H is going to do that with WWE. I think he's going to make more things stick. I think you need episodic television. You need to go off the air. You need to say, "Come back next week," or you know, well, well, well what's going to happen next? Like you've done a couple of times on WWE. Be happy with what you have, and you see it and see it. You don't don't get obsessed with quarter hours. Get obsessed with where the finish line is, and how to get
2: I couldn't agree more. Dave, thank you so much for making the time today. This was great. The man whose career was altered by a collision with the Road Warriors in 1984. <laughs> thank, I'm going to need to see that DVD, man. I'm going to put it out on social. Thank you so much, Dave.
1: My pleasure. The Total B She's Show releases new episodes every Monday. Follow the Total B She's Show on Twitter at Total B She's, on Instagram at Total Be She's, Or search us on Facebook, Total Bees Shees.
3: Hey, this is Mr. Beefy Goodness Vance Nevada, the author of Uncontrolled Chaos, Canada's remarkable professional wrestling legacy. You may have heard me on episode 17, and you're listening to the Total Bees Shees Show.
1: All right, Mike, this is super exciting. You have got a big announcement for all of us. And uh, I'm just going to hand it over to you because this is
2: huge. So something I never, ever have done in this podcast is announce a guest a week before. Um, When we started this podcast, I had a list of targets that I badly, badly wanted to get to come on and be She's With Us. And this guy, he, he was brushing me off. I was getting nowhere with him. And finally, finally persistence pays off. Being that I grew up an AWA fan in the early 80s and that was great Dave Petra talked about AWA and that was a great segue. This guy I needed to have on our podcast. His name, he's a second generation guy. He was a power a power mover for the AWA in the 1980s. Definitely. And he's definitely one of the best interviews we could have gotten coming to the total she show next week episode 22 will be none other than greg Ganya
1: oh my god
2: yeah i was and i am not going to say it was easy to get him but i wanted him so bad and you know why i wanted to get him i want you to play this audio right now from the wrestle rock rumble play this audio that's why i needed to have greg Ganya <laughs>
0: Jen and I'm here to say we've got the greatest wrestlers in the AWA. But you're not here to listen to me mumble. Let's fill you in on the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Get on.
1: Wrestle Rock. Be
0: there. We're the Midnight Rockers, Sean and Marty, We love to wrestle. And we love to party. You don't have to worry. We're not gonna fumble. Cause we'll be shaking through the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Ow! Wrestle Rock.
3: I'm the Sheik, and that's not funny. I got my army a lot of money. If Ganya
0: in my way, I make him come, boss. He be sorry. I did the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Wrestle Rock, be there. I'm Jerry Blackwell, I want the Sheik. I want to get my hands on that pencil neck geek as I watch the EDF fumble. I'm going to make my splash in the Wrestle Rock Rumble.
2: The AWA, you, me, and Wrestle Rock.
0: I'm Greg Gunn, and I'm in a rage. I want Brody and I want him in a cage. A high flying drop kick will make him see double. i have grind him up at the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Woo! Wrestle Rock. I'm Kurt Hennig and Big Scott Hall. As tag team champs. We'll take on them all. So bring on the long riders, those dirt ball dumbos. We'll smear those butchers. use the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. This is Nick Brockwinkle, and I've got a passion. I'll get the title back from the humanoid Hanson. I've got the brains, and I'm not humble. I'll take the belt back and do the Wrestle Rock Rumble.
1: Wrestle Rock, April at the goal.
0: Wrestle Rock, 86, be here. I won't be through till I get done slapping around Scott and the Doom. Gonna beat the ugly bartender into a bundle and laugh all the way doing Rattle Rock Rumble. Ow! This game talk got a mouth that won't quit, but I'm Scott but to the wanna smack a little shit. And when I'm through, you won't be able to mumble. I'll be left alone doing the Rattle Rock Rumble. Yeah! Just one last word from the former champ Burn, but give it a lot of thought to one more turn. There's some old scores that still give me trouble, and I'm starting to get the urge to do the Wrestle Rock Rumble. So there you have it, and now you know him, and on April 20th, it's At The Dome. So get your tickets and be under the bubble, because you two can be doing the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Do it! Wrestle <laughs> Rumble. Rattle rock rumble. The rattle rock rumble. Uh-huh. Rattle rock rumble.
2: He's Greg Gagne and he's in a rage. He wants Brody and he wants him in a cage. And next week, he's going to be on episode 22 of the Total Bee She Show. And I am going to ask him about the Wrestle Rock Rumble. I'm so excited. Greg Gagne coming to the Total B She Show. Okay, Chris. So that leads us to the soon-to-be-sponsored mailbag. Excellent. And after the mailbag, I'm, I'm going to tell a story because you know what we have gotten away from telling? Ribs. And I'm going to talk about how I got ribbed a few months ago by some friends. But yes, let's go to the mailbag.
1: All right. Let's start with, uh, from our friend, super fan, (laughs) Dave Cote. I thought thought you were going to start with somebody else. But what did Dave have to say? Dave says, if you could fantasy book a showcase of current Canadian independent talent and sell out IG field, what would your card be uh, top to bottom?
2: Sell out IG field, 33,000. I think it'd
1: be pretty tough with a Canadian talent. Well, the
2: place would be rocking and everyone would want to be there. Um, With Canadian talent, no imports. I'd have to book Bret Hart for an autograph session. Yeah. uh, Because he's Canadian and I think he could do it. Uh, The Billington Bulldogs, they're uh, related to Dynamite. They're his nephews. They're a
1: tag team. Would you bring in Harry Smith too?
2: Uh, maybe, let me just yeah. brainstorm here. Cause I didn't read the question in advance. So sorry, Dave, I didn't do any planning. Billington Bulldogs would be on the show. Mm, the Bollywood boys against the Billington Bulldogs. That's match go. number one. Johnny Devine would be on the show. Okay. AJ Sanchez would be on the show. Mentalo would be on the show. Hey, somebody take you, notes would, here. Would you, would
1: you, t- would you try for a Kenny Omega?
2: I couldn't get Kenny Omega. I, t- I hinted at that last week, but
1: if, I, if you could get Kenny Omega, you better get him. Perhaps I could be your booking agent. Maybe I could get him.
2: Yeah. Let's take Kenny Omega off because he's, he doesn't like me and he's under contract to AEW unless he's been fired. Um, okay. Uh, heavy Metal heavy is metal? on that show. Heavy Metal against AJ Sanchez. Mentalo against Johnny Devine. Uh,
1: I think you need another name.
2: Hold on. Don't jump the gun here. <laughs> I'm doing a good job booking here. I've actually put something good together in my head. Scotty Mack is on the show. Jay Starcy's is on the show. This is boring because I'm just brainstorming. Okay, so I'm putting together some good stuff. Wavel Star? Wavel Star is on the show. Uh, Sam Roth is on the show. Um, pretty much anyone that's... Josh Alexander is on the show. Anyone yeah. that WPW is using belongs on that show in some way. Afonso's the ref, obviously. Yes. Um, okay, so I'm telling you the feature matchups because otherwise I'm going to brainstorm. It's going to be a whole show in itself. Uh, it would be the Bollywood Boys against the Billington Bulldogs. It would be AJ Sanchez against Heavy Metal. It would be Mentolo against Johnny Devine. Um, and this is just Western Canada, guys. Bret Hart is going to... Um, Bret Hart is actually going to be the special guest referee of the tag match, Billington Bulldogs against... The Bollywood boys. Um, Scotty Mack wrestles. Wavel, no. Adam Knight and he pins him in four in four seconds. So <laughs> nine a- Adam nine Adam seconds. Knight's
1: definitely not doing the show.
2: Adam Knight is booked and he's doing a job in nine seconds. Uh, Wavel Star is on the show. He wrestles Charlie Haas, who I book. No, I can't book he's him. He's not Canadian. Yeah, he doesn't count. Um, Wavel Star wrestles Michael Elgin. No. Wavelstar wrestles Kevin. No, see, it's t- it's a tough question, but I, I laid the foundation there. I don't think you'd sell out IG Field, but tr- I would be aiming to get a thousand fans or fifteen hundred fans. Yeah, yeah. With Brett, you might be able to get two thousand fans. So IG Field's tough, very tough. Even if you could get Omega, who you're going to put them with, and and stuff like that, it's it's tough. But that's the foundation. That's just Western Canada. I'd have to do more homework on Ontario. Go to the next question, unless right, you want to tell me right. how you'd do it.
1: Uh no, I think I think you laid it out good. And Canadian talent is really tough. Like for me, uh, uh, for me, I would have more names on the show, but like you have to really think who's available. Chelsea Green is Canadian, so I'd have her take on that'd be that'd be good. Sarah be good Stock,
2: get. and I would do it as an angle where Sarah's the the grizzled vet and Chelsea's the young girl, and Sarah's gonna stretch her, and then yeah, have Chelsea go over, I guess. Um, yeah, so that's the leg where that's the foundation of what I'd want to do. I'm missing so many guys. I'd have to do a lot of homework on a question like that, All right, but it'd be something like that.
1: Next question coming in from Mr. Beautiful. Uh, probably not his given Christian name. Mr. Beautiful is involved with WPW. Is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I appreciated that he asked a question. All right. He says, love the podcast. I have a question. What was Aaron Brockovich like, and I don't know what this is. This about. is beautiful. Cause when I sent you
2: that question that was sent to me, you said, where's that? Do you like the movie? So this is a long form and I don't want to go heavy on the podcast. So I'll try to, I'll try to keep it tight in 2008. The, you know, I speak so glowingly of my former boss, Jeff Dick. We were going to launch WFX the wrestling fan experience this was 2007 September 2007 Benoit had just the Benoit tragedy had just happened and and uh I thought we had to do something that was we were going to launch this WFX vision originally it was going to be Chris Jericho versus Hulk Hogan at the at the MTS center at the time Canada Life Center but we didn't get we didn't get far enough in that although Jeff was willing to do it but we we couldn't get that one done So then we were going to do the convention center and run a wrestling show. And, uh, like I had negotiated with everybody. We used Rikishi, we used a whole bunch of big names and we drew like 40, uh, 60 people paid. It was brutal. brutal. But what ended up happening to derail this show, it was, I think we were going to call it chapter one, which is going to be the start of our TV. We were going to start to do TV. We ended up realizing that vision in 2010. Jeff Dick at the time was launching one world United or the global buying group, one of the two. And he, and he was like, ah, we're going to use this as a launch event for, uh, for global buying group, one world United. And uh, wrestling isn't going to be good enough for global buying groups. So he's like, I'm going to do a whole weekend where I'm going to draw these people who are going to buy memberships into the global buying group, one world United. And the flawed vision was he decided that we were going to bring in Bob Proctor from the secret He was going to bring in Aaron Brockovich. So motivational speaker, Aaron Brockovich. (laughs) It's not just a movie. There's (laughs) actually a woman. I I understand. Yeah. Yeah. When I heard this, Julie Roberts. Yeah. No. Uh, Then he decided he was bringing Great White to do the post party. And I think he did one other band. So he did two days of speakers. And in there, he put wrestling show. Because he wanted to do something that would cater to everybody, and it catered to nobody. So our advertising in the Winnipeg Sun was a full page, and it said, "Come see Bob Proctor from The Secret, Aaron Brockovich, live wrestling with Rikishi." And we tried to get Sid Vicious for this. We ended up getting Test. Um, and then it was, uh, and following a concert by great white, and it was all in the same one page advertisement. So people were like, and it was like one ticket, $140 and people are like, oh, I might want to see Aaron Brockovich. I have no interest whatsoever in wrestling or I want to go see wrestling. I have absolutely zero interest in Aaron Brockovich. Um, it was a hodgepodge to say the least. It was, um but to answer the question i remember meeting erin brockovich but it doesn't stand out to me other than she was finishing her speech and we were starting to take down
1: the chairs and there are 40 people put up the ring
2: less than 40 oh my actually wrestling out drew her can
1: you imagine that like she's somebody who sells out yeah so bob proctor all these people drew nothing
2: and then wrestling drew about 100 people we papered the the, we gave out a lot of free tickets to even get a hundred. It was, I retired after I was never touching wrestling again. I went to Jeff Dick. I resigned. <laughs> I never want to do this again. And actually from that, we ended up agreeing that um, if I did wrestling again, I would have 100% autonomy for how we advertise. Cause I never wanted people to say, I don't understand the relationship between Aaron Brockovich and Rikishi yeah. wrestling on top. We had um, uh, Samoan Savage, Tonga kid, a wrestle as a Umaga ripoff. And I think he jobbed out Adam Knight. So that was perfect booking actually. Yeah. Like that's how you book Adam Knight. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was weird. I remember meeting her. It doesn't stand out to me. And I remember the, after the show, Great white played for like twenty people. It was it was brutal. I never wanted to touch wrestling. What about Bob Proctor? Did you meet him? I didn't meet Bob Proctor. He was in on the Saturday, and I had all kinds of talent coming in. So I, because we all went to the bar with the talent the night before. So I and I didn't I, the secret. I didn't care. Aaron Brockovich was very nice, though. I remember.
1: All right, Mike. Let's uh, move on. To We're not wrapping story up. I about a story. Ribs. Oh yeah, we've kind of gotten away from the rib story. So let, let's let's get one. You've
2: got one <sighs> queued up, don't you? In the real world, people don't prank people like they do in the wrestling business, except for when you get a job with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and you got two co-workers who just like to screw around. And I got two co-workers, JT and 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 his name's Dylan, and we call him pickle. But and Dylan's he's a it takes a little while to get a good feel for Dylan, but Dylan apparently is a pranker. He's a ribber. So very early on. I get a, I've worked with these guys. I barely know them, right? I'm just getting to know them. And I get a text from, I get a text and it says, I work for a company where I do uh, security and private investigating consulting work and stuff like that. So I get a text and it says, hey, would you like to do work off the books for us, special assignments? You wouldn't get taxed on it. You get paid more for it. I'm like, well, this
1: sounds good. Yeah, Yeah. this
2: sounds good. Anything off the books where you're going to make more money. Yeah, absolutely. I'd do it. And he said, okay, so here's this, I'll give you, it's a special assignment. You have to drive one hour out of town, about 85 kilometers to Emerson from Winnipeg. It's like an hour, hour drive pretty much. And um, you're going to, when you get there, you're going to have to go to the Emerson RCMP and they're going to be backing you up on this assignment. So you're going to go to the Emerson detachment of the RCMP and you're going to, you know, you're going to go and, and um, they're going to have the assignment for you. And I'm like, okay, like, this sounds good. This is going to be a fun little <laughs> assignment, right? So, and we need you to leave at six in the morning, but don't call dispatch to let them know anything. Cause you're off the books. They have no idea. So if he leaves it there, I'm going to drive out an hour out of my way to find out, go to the Emerson RCMP and say, I'm here for my special assignment. They're going to be like, who the hell are you? they're going to put me in the loony bin? Cause they're going to think I'm insane. Right. You, there's no special assignment. Then I'm going to call my, my employer and be like, you guys have messed up. You disorganized pricks. He had me. And then he said, but here's how, where he lost me. He said, give me a call and we'll work it out. So when he called me, I didn't recognize the voice. He said, so you're, yeah, he said, his name was Philip but it was actually Dylan on the phone. So he said, you're going to be working with JT and, and Dylan. I think you know them. And that's when I knew I was being ribbed. Yeah. He gave it up. But in the wrestling world, they would have sent me out there an hour, Yeah, <laughs> go to the RCMP and say, Hey, I'm here for my special assignment. They're going to think I'm insane. They're going to throw me in a cell and I would be out the money, the time, and think of how hot I would have yeah, been. Right? Wrestling ribs are stiff. Yeah. that And they had me. So, That would have been a great rib to pull. It was hilarious. And that's the real world. JT and Dylan, who I work with closely at the Bombers. So don't think it's just wrestling where degenerates set people up and really rib them. It happens all over the world and in the real world. But in the real world, they let you off the hook like Dylan did. He should have sent me, and I would have respected him even more in my sick way.
1: Yeah, you, you would have been you'd have been seething on the way back. Oh, yeah. by, by, by the time you got back, you <laughs> might have softened a little bit. But...
2: The receipt would have been amazing. But anyway, play Glenn Goza. Next week, Craig Gagne is on the show. Can't hardly wait.
0: Well, the boss called me up and said, Come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Or well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammer lock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R A S S L I N. That's wrestling. R A S S L I N. That's wrestling. Oh, I love to watch the missing Link bang his head on a corner post And the romper, bumper, butt butt delivered by the ice man. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Guardy, But what I like the most is Kerry delivering the Iron Claw As only the Von Erics can Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh I'm going to wrestling Going to wrestling R A S S L I N, that's wrestling. R A S S L I N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called and friend. She could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling. Really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling Kevin Von Eric when he's really high and flying I'd like to see Ric Flair, but he's after there struttin'. Andre the Giant, must be seven foot nine Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls And I wouldn't miss this for nothing I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R A S S L I N, that's wrestling. R A S S L I N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late, I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R A S S L I N, and that's wrestling. R A S S L I N, and that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David vaughn Eric. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-L-I-N, Boy, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advance tickets. R-A-S-S-L-I-N. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon?